0: Good evening. Welcome to our virtual presentation on a community conversation regarding COVID and the impact of the pandemic that resulted as a result of COVID. Today, Dr. Carter, in collaboration with Dr. Terrence Hayes and myself, will promote this webinar with an opportunity to, to panelists for our panelists to share how they were actually impact, impacted by the pandemic, their own personal stories, their own personal grief. With us this evening, we have our panelists, Dr. Denise Gilmore, Janelle Roberts, and Dr. Rock McCarter. Dr. Terrence Hayes is the webinar host, and I am the facilitator of this event. Panelists, we're so grateful to have you participate in this event. I'll call you each by name and allow you to introduce yourself and share what you will with the community. Janelle.
1: Hi. Hi, my name is Janelle Roberts and I contracted COVID right after the holidays, the Christmas holiday, my whole family contracted it and I'm a member of Zion Baptist Church.
2: Dr. Denise. Good evening. I am Denise Gilmore. Uh, I'm an associate minister at Zion Baptist Church. Um, my sister and I both contracted COVID at the same time. I survived COVID. My sister did not.
0: Dr. Carter.
3: Hi. I'm, thank you, Dr. George. I am uh, Reverend Dr. Rocky Carter. I'm the senior pastor of the Zion Baptist Church. I'm a resident chaplain in the Kettering Health Network. Uh, My wife uh, contracted COVID very very early on in the onset and I experienced the uh, onslaught of COVID in a hospital setting by watching people transition uh, on a daily basis. uh, And it just wreaked havoc on our community. So I'm excited about being
4: on this panel even on tonight. Thank you for having me. Thank you for
0: being here okay dr hayes
4: well thank you dr alexander i'm i'm happy to be here tonight along with your pastor pastor carter and all the other panelists let me give my condolences to dr gilmore for the loss of your sister uh, from the uh, cause of this pandemic COVID. but uh, i'm the senior pastor of faith deliverance church of god in christ we set a place for administering music and the saving of souls is our goal i have a doctor of education in community care and counseling with the cognitive and pastoral counseling. And uh, I contracted uh, COVID in the fall of 2021. I was what they call a breakthrough case. Uh, So I went through that for uh, about a 10 day process. Of course, my wife and I were living in the same home but I had to be quarantined, but I had uh, high fevers for, uh, for days, lost 10 pounds, but I kept my smell, kept my taste. But that was a reality Reality for me, that this COVID is, is a real truth. Many lives have been lost, and I don't take it lightly. Uh, and I appreciate for you bringing this conversation to the community, for us to have a very candid and open discussion. Thank you.
0: And I am Chaplain Georgia Alexander with a doctorate in a pastoral care counseling. Well, with a doctorate of ministry, but my cognate was pastoral care counseling. I am, am a high risk uh, patient for COVID. However, I actually ministered in the room of dying patients with COVID. I, my pollenologist is on staff at Miami Valley Hospital. And she asked me, please don't go into the room. And one night she came out after one patient had died and she was very upset. So why, please, why don't you leave? But I didn't. And for over two years, I worked in and out of the the, uh, COVID rooms and I didn't contract it. But when I go on as support now, I actually don't go into those rooms. I will stand outside and pray through the window. But there have been times that I've gowned up and looked like a spaceman and went in because people have asked me to go in and to pray with their parents or because they don't know Jesus. So I put on my hood and I wrapped up and I went in and I'm here today. I never contracted it, but I need to say this. Two weeks before they shut shut us down, maybe a month before they shut us down with COVID, I was stricken with COVID-like symptoms, but they never heard the name of it. So I was admitted to Good Samaritan North, I mean Miami Valley North for two days. And they never named it. But thank God they didn't call it and God didn't call my number, so thank you. And it is a blessing to share with in the, the experience w- with you all. And I'm first going to call on Janelle and ask you to share your experience with
1: co- COVID, a household stricken with COVID. Okay, um, right after the holidays, well, I know I, before Christmas, I attended two funerals and they both died of COVID. At one of the funerals, it was a covering, at the other one, it wasn't. I also had classmates that said they caught it too, but I don't know if I got it there. I'm assuming that's where I caught it. Um, plus I had relatives out of town that had it. And you know, my niece came in town. She was vaccinated, my mom was vaccinated, and they was able to stay home. I was just real tired. It just made me tired. I just got, I laid in the bed and I was sleeping. And my cousins that had it before me gave me a heart monitor to test it. And uh, I mean, a heart tester in um, my cap. my oxygen level was hitting at 58. And she's like, oh, you're, you're mm. dropping, you're dropping. And I'm like, I'm just tired. I'm fine, I'm okay. She said, no. She said, I come back and it's at 58. We're going to the hospital. First thing it came to, it was low. So she rushed me to the hospital and they took me back right away. I went to Grandview, got excellent care there. My mom, she didn't have to be hospitalized, but my sister was hospitalized after me. And I believe my niece went in before we did. My um, sister's oldest daughter, she went in before we did, and she was at Miami Valley and she was there for quite a while, but she has underlying conditions. So that's what really got her. Um, Before that, we was making sure we took our zinc, our uh, oregano oils, or vitamin B, second-order vitamins. To me, I was just really tired. And I did have muscle sores, but probably after three days, I felt better. I was able, you know, I've always was able to go to the restroom and all that by myself. And my uncle had told me before, make sure you move around. You have to, you can't just lay there. You have to move around. So in the hospital, you know, I walked and did what I need to do. And they did exercise with me and it just made me tired told me to sleep on my stomach. I did that, was fine. I had to take steroids. They gave me steroids and uh, that made my um, diabetes go up. So they gave me medicine for that, but I ended up losing like 20 pounds, 25 pounds with that. And I just drank a lot of ice. I was craving ice, chipped ice for something. And I'm not an ice person. I was craving chipped ice for a long time. But other than that, I didn't lose my taste. I didn't, matter of fact, my smell was more potent so it made me not hungry because it was just hitting me. I didn't lose my taste nor smell. Like most people, never that, I was just tired.
0: Um, I'd like to ask you another question. How did that affect you emotionally or spiritually? Being uh, in a household of people with a, a and I would say it like this: these, these are my terms. You were living in a death threat. Everybody was stricken with COVID. How did it it impact you in your mind?
1: I, I think I got a little bit depressed, but uh, to me, I just did what the doctor said, rested. Um, like I said, he's tired all the time. Uh, I was on oxygen. I just did what I was told to do, but it did. I did get a little depressed, but as far as, um, I, People think I'm crazy, but had I not gone to the hospital and if I had um, died, I would have been okay with that, too. I'm sorry to say that because I know the Lord. Amen. I know I was going to a better place. That's encouraging. I knew that the Lord had me either way, but I just thank God because my uh, niece, my sister's younger sister, my niece, Michael, she took care of everybody. She ran, made sure we got what we needed. She took care of my mom while we was in the hospital. And... We had, I had the best care. I cannot complain. Granby was great. They was excellent. I had the best care there. And when I got home, she took care of us, but she was home for Christmas. We was just blessed. My family was blessed. We looked after each other. My uncle and them had it. We took care of them. I made sure they had what they needed and they got what we needed. And I was just blessed to be in a family that serves the Lord. And we look after each other. And we were blessed. And the pastor came in. He prayed over me. So I knew I was going to be all right. I know it's gonna be okay. Okay. Dr. Carter, are you there?
0: Dr. Gilmore, would you like to share your experience?
2: Okay. Uh, sure. So I, um, it's been a year since my sister died. She died in January. And, and while, uh, we're not really sure where she contracted it from or I contracted it from. We were both still working. She worked for a daycare and I worked in the school system Um, but I was kind of sheltered inside of the office. So I wasn't around many of the kids. Um, One of the things that I noticed with her was that she was uh, sick around January 15, Martin Luther King's birthday celebration time. Uh, and she was sick that day she was off. And I was asking her questions then. Uh, and she said she she was hurting in her body and she couldn't move and she couldn't sleep. And the next day she got up and said, you know, she had prayed about it because she loved work. and she said she felt much better and she went to work. Uh, my concern was then she came home maybe a week later and told me, or two weeks later and told me that her co-worker had COVID. And I was trying to ask her about how, you know, what were they doing? Why wasn't she quarantined if her her co-teacher actually had it as well? Uh, But nevertheless, uh, I came down then with symptoms. Um, I had a, a fever and nauseated and I immediately went and convinced her because she was still kind of, she was tired, but she was still moving and still doing. Uh, so we, I said, we need to go get tested. So we, we thought we were going through a drive-through. It was really cold. We thought we were going through a drive-through. And so when we got there and found out we needed to get out of the car, we were both like, oh, my goodness. Um, but I went ahead and got out of the car. And I didn't pay attention to the fact that she didn't get out of the car. And she didn't get out because she was so tired, she really couldn't move. So I went and had my COVID test, um, came back. This was on a Saturday. When I came back and got in the car, then we went and got some soup or something to eat because both of us didn't really feel like eating anything. Uh, Came home, she ate a little bit of the soup and a little bit of the the sandwich she had and said she was full. And uh, my results came back that I was positive Uh, asked my doctor what to do, and he told me uh, to get the vitamins and all the stuff that I need. So I was pushing that on whatever he told me to do. I was giving it to her too, although she hadn't been diagnosed yet. So she didn't go until that Saturday, that Sunday. So she went on that Sunday and got her results back um, that Wednesday or maybe that Tuesday. And by Saturday, Uh, of that same week, my sister was dead. So I'm not sure if I am sure COVID was definitely in her body and was racking uh, havoc with her body. Uh, I think the thing that I would tell people is make sure that you are paying attention to what your body is telling you. Uh, Mm -hmm. She was in pain. I couldn't get her to go to the hospital. I wanted her to go to the emergency room. I couldn't get her to do it. And finally, um, she was just in... in at, her body couldn't take no more. Her body couldn't take anymore. We rushed her to the hospital. Uh, the paramedics, mm, I won't go into all of that craziness with the paramedics, but they were not the best paramedics in the world. But we got her to uh, Mama Valley Hospital and once we got her there, uh, COVID restrictions were still in. So everybody could not go in uh, and we went in, I could go in uh, and they were trying to resuscitate her and they could not uh, resuscitate her. So uh, she probably died at the house but they were didn't wanna pronounce her dead at the house. So they get her to the hospital and they try to do what they can do and then they pronounced her dead. So once they did that, uh, all of her kids were there and everybody was there and they all wanted to keep going in. So then the other thing is then I had to be the one to kind of take control of the situation because their kids and everybody kept wanting to go back and forth to see her. And the nurses came to me and said, I really need them to stop doing that um, because they were walking too much in and out of where they had lay- where she was laying at. So I had to kind of take charge uh, and keep my grief kind of in check for a minute mm. and let them know that they couldn't keep doing that. And I told the nurse to let everybody know that I said it cause I'm the big sister. Uh, and so, you know, nobody would get upset with the nurse or the staff or anything. Just let them know that I said, nobody else can go back there that, you know, we've done enough. Um, and uh, I came on home, my pastor uh, prayed me. I drove myself all the way home. My pastor prayed for me. I don't even know if he prayed me all the way home, <laughs> but from the time I called him Man. to the time I got home, he was praying on the telephone with me. Uh, I came on in the house, went to sleep. Uh, and it's, it's interesting that the thing that, uh, I think the thing that saved me, and this might sound a little weird, is five years before that, my mother had passed. Uh, But my sister, uh, when I when everybody wanted to come around me, I wasn't ready for people to come around me because it was going to be too much for me. And I knew that. And the thing that saved me was that I was actually still in quarantine and I was able to tell people that they couldn't come around me because I was in quarantine. So that kind of allowed me a chance to kind of um, go through the things that were going on in my head to not have to talk to people about it, not have to listen to people. It just gave me a chance to absorb it and to work through that first initial part of my grief alone, because I needed that, definitely needed that. Uh, the, as it went on, I think sometimes people get uh, confused about grief. They they want to rush in at the beginning. But when people really need you, most of the time, is more towards the end. <laughs> everybody's gone and nobody's talking to you anymore and all that you you know that's when people really need you to check on them and make sure that they're still in their right mind and doing things so you know i i living with my sister you know we were very close uh, sharing a household so it was definitely devastating uh, for me to have her one moment and the next moment not to have her so it, it was difficult most definitely.
0: Thank you. And um, I got a little emotional as like she was telling that because I had a part in that, that night and um, I worked seven to seven. I was coming out of the elevator too. My husband picks me up on the other side of the hospital. But I, this time, I don't know what made me go through the um, emergency room. And the chaplain on duty said, there's a darling Wilcox back there. You need to go back to see her. And then they came back and said, don't go. I knew the name sounded familiar. But as I walked out of the hospital to get in the car, I noticed her car, uh, Dr. Dick Gilmore's car. And they were in high grief, right? And I wanted to go over and put my arms around somebody. And Tommy said, well, you've been here over 12 hours. Let's just go. When I found out that it was Dr. Denise and her sister, it just messed me up. And thank you for sharing that for us, Dr. Gilmore, because I felt some type of guilt for over a year for being that close to you and not being able to come to you. But I didn't know what the situation was. But there's God who wouldn't let me come to you because I would have been hugging you. And I didn't know what the situation was. When I found out what had happened, I called Dr. Carter. And he was doing what he does all the time. He loves to pray. And he'll pray for an hour if he let him. But he likes to pray. He's really in touch with God. And basically he's telling me, I don't, he said, I don't know what to do. She won't let us come out there, but thank you, Dr. Gilmore for sharing that because now you give us a new perspective on grief and how not only in the, in, in, in COVID related, uh, uh, deaths, but in grief, it's better to let the person grieve on their own in their own way. That is a lesson that I you have just taught me another key lesson in pastoral care, uh, care counseling or pastoral care at the time of death. I've had them beat the, beat the walls. I've had somebody threaten to knock the police officer out. I've had them do it all. And I've heard, that's grief. But thank you for that wonderful lesson. It is not wonderful for you, but it is quite important to know how to respect people and their boundaries during the time of grief. So Dr. Carter, I ask you to talk about um, vaccines and uh, you can talk about anything you want to talk about uh, to help the community and how you might share pertinent and valuable information with the community about the impact of grief you already talked about, I mean, not grief, uh, of having COVID, and you've already shared about you having to share the house with your wife and you didn't get it. So let's, let's hear what your input is about that.
3: Well, um, Dr. George, I, first of all, I want to um, go back to uh, Dr. Denise for one second, if I could. Um, And I, I too, was very sorrowful on that occasion, on that evening. I can still remember it like it just happened yesterday. Dr. Denise, I want to ask you a question uh, about what you might think your sister's state of mind was, because in the community, we have people who are hesitant to acknowledge the symptoms. And if they're hesitant to acknowledge the symptoms, they may be slow. to get the treatment and if you're slow to get the treatment that thing can jump up on you and by the time you get around to even trying to get diagnosed or trying to get the treatment it might be a little bit late and so my question is do you believe that your sister might have been fearful about the reality of the symptoms that she was having And that was blocking her from taking the initiative to go get further testing or to get medical care, which might have detrimentally impacted her ultimately in the end. Because it is my premise that we have a number of different people in the African-American community who are experiencing symptoms, or maybe experiencing symptoms, who are slow to go to the medical practitioners out of fear, out of a traditional distrust or anything, uh, and get the treatment in a prompt manner. Do you believe that your sister was slow to get her medical condition diagnosed and treated?
2: Uh, she was definitely slow in getting it. And I'm not sure I can't speak on why. I yeah. I I pushed a lot for it. Um and I and I think I I think maybe at that point she, she wasn't sure uh-huh. or she didn't want to. Let's say this: she wasn't sure and she maybe didn't want to know. That's right. There you go. Uh, yeah, I, right. I think she might have been to that point where if I got it, I don't want to know. I think it'll yeah. pass away. Yes. and yeah. It won't be this. All I need to do is just rest. Yes. Yes. And I think that's yes. probably more of what she was thinking. And I yeah. will add, and on that day, that Saturday, uh, when she went into the restroom, um, I'm not sure what she was doing. I don't know if she was getting herself together to put her clothes on so I could take her to the emergency room, mm-hmm. or what exactly she was doing. Uh, because I I went in there to check on her because she made a noise that didn't sound right to me, and I looked at her, and I you know again I said do I need to, I need to take you to the hospital. Let's go, you know, let's go to the emergency room. And again, she just was like, I'm okay. Uh, and just that quickly, yes. uh, probably 10 seconds later, uh, her, her granddaughter had gone in there and her granddaughter came and got me. And just that quickly, my sister had, um, at that point she was passed out. She probably yes. was in a coma or something, but yes. Yes. she had passed out and I, I'm not sure if she was just, uh, and, and let me say this, there was a lot going on in her life. Uh, yes. So yes. maybe she was tired. Maybe she she, she was very spiritual. So mm-hmm. she may even was like, I'm just ready to go home and be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. yes, that's right. Yes. I, I can't, I don't know. I know what I wanted her to do. And I know what she wasn't uh, capable or willing to do at that time.
3: Yes, so well, I thank tried you. To
2: push. Yeah, I tried yeah. to push, but I, I couldn't get her to do.
3: Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Dr. Georgia, as I can go in and, and tell a portion of my story, those of you who know my wife know and understand she's probably one of the healthiest women in the city, even at her age, she takes her health and her diet and her exercise and all that very, very seriously. So when we were partnering with public health through the West Dayton caravan of churches, we had public health have a mobile unit on our church property on a Saturday, I believe it was, um, to test the community. Uh, What I was told was it was one of the largest turnouts in West Dayton. We had a number of different people, maybe 250, 300 people, people in that eight hour time frame come and get tested. Uh, And we were very excited about that. Um, One of the things that happened was a couple of days later, my wife got a call and said that she had tested positive for COVID-19. And this had to be early on in March or April of 2020. And my wife was asymptomatic. That means she had no symptoms. She didn't feel anything. uh, But, you know, we thought it might have been a false positive. But in any event, we dealt with it as if she did have the actual COVID-19. Well, she came home and she want. she should have quarantined, but she didn't. And I thought she wanted me to catch it too. You know? <laughs> everywhere, I, everywhere I was, there she was. And I said, Well, maybe quarantine for 10 days, but she was running in behind me and I baby, you want me to catch it? Is that what you want? But she never ever experienced any symptoms. Okay? Never. Never slowed down, never changed anything. She just stayed home for 10 days or was- so got tested again and was negative. Went on back to work. Um, what, what happened to me was that I then was accepted into the chaplaincy program of the Kettering Health Network, and I was put on the almost the front line. Um, and what I found out was that the African Americans were the number African American males were the number one demographic and not only catching, but dying from COVID. And the second dem- Demographic was African American females. And so what it, what it said to me was that in some particular way, African Americans always seem to get the short end of the stick when it comes to health care. Okay. And so we have a distrust for health care. And so some of us will not go to the doctors, some of us will not, even if we have symptoms, we'll stay home and we'll trust God, we'll believe God, but we won't be. Uh, 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 ready to go and face the music and get possible treatment. We have a hesitancy there. Uh, and so I experienced that. But I also saw uh, a high rate of death uh, when, when COVID was at its peak. Um, and I saw African-Americans passing away of this insidious virus at a rate that was disproportional. Uh, and so we had to try to get the word out for people to get tested. There was a hesitancy in testing. African-Americans would not get tested. They, that's from an inherent distrust of the healthcare system. If you go all the way back to the Tuskegee experiments and such not, we understand why. But I had to get tested so that my my flock would get tested. I, I not necessarily uh, believed in the vaccine that way, but if I wanted to have the people that I spoke to The people that I represented entertained the thought of being vaccinated. It was important for me to be vaccinated. So I was vaccinated twice and a third time, even with a booster. So I wasn't worried about me particularly. Uh, I was trying to be an example to our demographic because with systemic racism and disparate healthcare outcomes, according to race, according to zip code, according to gender, I knew that our people would be at the higher end of this particular pestilence. And it was. But the silver lining is that we came along and and we started getting uh, uh, vaccinated. And the vaccine and the boosters, even though they will not particularly save you from catching one of the variants, even with pre-existing conditions, if you are vaccinated, the data seems to suggest that you might not be a candidate for death. And so that was our concern, that we get people vaccinated, that if they catch one of these variants, that they might be afflicted, they might suffer for a moment, but they might not suffer unto death. And I think that the data has even uh, suggested that to us and played out that way. But that was, that's my experience. Uh, The numbers are coming down at the hospital and uh, the communities are relaxing. Protocols. They are relaxing restrictions, um, uh, but we still want a social gap. We want a social distance. We also want to continue to wear masks where we can. Um, we also want to continue to wash our hands. We just want to do the things that are necessary to help not only prevent, but just but but slow down uh, the rate of transmission of this uh, insidious pestilence. So, Doctor Gilmore, that's that's been my experience and. We are experiencing that on a daily basis across this country of ours. I think if we haven't reached it yet, the next milestone for us would be one million deaths. And, and it does not discriminate. You know, it does not, it impacts African Americans at a higher rate, a disproportionate rate, but 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 it it, it can kill anybody. And, and then we saw young people starting to be affected by it as we opened up schools and we and, and young people started catching uh, this these variants and whatnot. But it's very, very critical for us, and it's been my experience, that we need to be vaccinated and we need to pay particular attention to the protocols that are still in place.
0: Thank you, uh, Dr. Carter. I, wanna, um, I want you to, you, you touched on it a little bit, but I'd like for you to like condense it. Uh, I've been vaccinated both times, but I didn't get the booster you've had it all. I think Dr. Hayes has been vaccina- vaccinated with the booster, but he had a breakthrough.
4: With both boosters. So, huh? I had both boosters. He had both boosters, but he had a break- breakthrough. I got the oh, breakthrough with- after the second booster.
0: Oh, after the second, okay.
4: So, oh, after no, the Mom, second. Mom, I'm sorry, after the first booster. Okay,
0: so. As you said, African Americans are very suspicious about things. Yes, I have uh, someone in my family very near and dear to me who won't do either. Yeah, but her daughter demanded to do one to do hers. And um, what would you? How would you? If somebody were to pin you down, to what? You, uh, Dr. Hayes had it, and he had uh, the booster, and he had a second booster. uh, uh, You said it was after the second booster, or you got the second booster after you had the breakthrough, Dr. Hayes. Is that what you said? Correct. Okay. And then you didn't get it at all. Your wife is very healthy, takes good care of herself. You are a high risk. You were taking, you got diabetes. Is it diabetes, or and, and then you have had the cancer? You were being treated for cancer. Yes. Then you just stand there and jump around in that pulpit like nothing was happening. So <clears> people <throat> will notice that, and they want to use excuses, and then they want to make comparisons. And as the African American community is, they are they are being in the back of their mind is the, the what is it the Tuskegee
3: yeah, uh, yeah they uh,
0: meta- yes. <laughs> the, the, the uh the um that, uh, that testing that they did on them yes and they feel that they want to use us as guinea pigs but sure. I don't i understand that i understand that how would you address that
3: well I uh, thank you dr Georgia. one of the things that we did was i uh, i was encouraged to do an op-ed on the hesitancy of taking the vaccine in the in the community Uh, and i use myself as an example of going forth and getting the vaccine and 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 i think one of the questions that i have is is whether or not you know we should try and make that mandatory i don't necessarily think that it needs to be mandatory because i think it needs to be a choice that we make but there, there are two instances where it is not mandatory i mean where it is particularly mandatory the first is young children being inoculized before they enter into school. Now, all of us can remember when we were going into kindergarten, before we went to pre-K and all of that, we had to stand in line and get immunized, okay? Now, our mothers didn't know what was in that shot, but we had to have those shots before we could start school. That's one thing. We did that. We didn't want them, but we did them anyway, or you could not start school. The second thing, place that where it's almost mandatory, is in the military. In the military, they shoot you in both arms. You don't know what's in there. If you act like you don't want this shot, you will not be a military member. Okay? It's just that simple. And that is to protect the body against all types of infectious diseases: smallpox, chickenpox, measles, you call it whatever you want. Okay? Now. What we have with our freedom of choice is we have the choice to decide whether or not we want to take these particular immunizations. Well, it is my understanding and it is my thought even now that these uh, immunizations are critical to our survival, OK? And I was encouraging people to prey on taking the shots, OK? Um, I didn't believe in the in the conspiracy theories of of them trying to uh, insert a chip in you or to do X Y Z with you and your body. Okay, we can conspiracy theory ourselves to death if we want to. Okay, I also did not uh, uh, buy into the former administration's uh, thought process of this being a total hoax. Okay it wasn't a total hoax it was never considered to be a total hoax even by the former president because he has received some of the finest care in the world associated with him contracting covid which he never told us about but he told the population at large that it was a hoax okay Mm -hmm. so it is the decision it should be made, it should be prayed over, it should be made in consultation with medical professionals. Your primary physician should be critical to you in your discussion, and then you are to make a decision. If you have pre existing conditions or if you have anything that puts you at a higher risk, you should really think about taking this vaccine. vaccine, vaccine. And what we found out is that it was saving lives. The rates came down. Um, and again, if you contracted it with one of the variants, it was not usually lethal, OK? I mean, they were able to treat it, and, 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 and those numbers are, were coming down. We are fast approaching, as we continue, herd immunity. I think we are getting close to the 75% of the population in the United States vaccinated and I believe that has resulted Dr. Georgia. I know it Kettering Preaching that to the rooftops for people. Uh, and I also, like I said, I did an op-ed in the daily, daily News that was very popular as we all come together to try to combat this insidious virus.
0: What, um, what I'd like to say, I, I really appreciate that information and it is, uh, it's going to be, uh, there's, we, there's going to be conflicting stories. And, and, and true to what you're saying, we're getting near uh, herd immunity. I think today there were no deaths or no patients, no COVID patients at premier or down at downtown. I think that's, that's what I, someone gave me the information. But um, what I'm also, we've got these sports figures, we got these high profile figures who won't do it. Yet if, you go, if they go overseas or they take a trip to a foreign country, you have to take vaccinations. I, ha- I went to uh, Europe and I went to Turkey or, uh, and uh, I had to do several shots before I could get out of the country. And these people travel overseas and they get those vaccinations to go overseas. They don't know what's in the needle then. And yet we will have a high profile figure who will use their influence to bring the others along with them not to take the vaccination then you have someone else who backs them who opens it up so you can pay play the sports because you're so good you see how we work against each other you are such a great athlete so we will go through all of the the uh the uh the trouble or, or, or all the processes oh. of get of lifting that just so you can play or in the playoffs for the next three months or two months or however. So we fight against each other. However, we still have to look out for for our own. And as you said, there's a disparity. There's yes. a disparity in our medical care because some some of us as blacks can't afford the medical care care. I had to do an article on uh black women losing or uh, having that infant death. You had we we they were at your church with that those children um, um, that, that, that um, death. Uh, infant yeah. Infant m- mortality. Yes. So, and, and and then there was a high profile person, very, very high profile who went into the, um, I think it's the um, Sinai hospital in Los Angeles, real, real
3: Cedar Sinai,
0: Cedar Sinai hospital in, in um uh, and, in, um, in the Los Angeles. And they let her, let her die because they said she was just complaining. They, she said, I got to have a C-section and too much pain. And she died. And so they, they, got, they really got taken up, uh, through the roof financially. However, we still have to look out for ourselves. We have to look out for ourselves with the risk of COVID. We have to look out for ourselves and make decisions will we, we send our kids to school with the vaccinations we send, we go, if we have to travel out of the country, we do vaccination. I was one who said I was not going to take the vaccination because of that. Experiment they did many, many years ago, but one day, uh, twice, two days on the weekends I was working. I kept seeing a whole sidewalk full of people long line. They were From the outside of the hospital all the way through the hospital, and I kept saying, Where are these people going? Then I didn't see any black people in the line. So the second day I saw the same thing, and I said, What is going on? They said, COVID vaccinations. I said, Well, I'm going to get one too. (laughs) I don't think they're going to get rid of that many (laughs) just to get me. So I took it and I took them. I, I just didn't. I never took the booster. However, This has been very, very helpful information. I I hope it helps someone else, but all of the information that you all have, the information that you all shared with me tonight, I think is very valuable in the community. Again, Dr. Gilmore, you gave me some information to use when I try to minister to those who are grieving. And Dr. Carter, you gave me insight on to into why you why you are a proponent of the of the vaccine. Doctor, I mean Janelle, you gave me some really good spiritual insight that you were so tired, you didn't feel like Doing nothing, and if I die, I'm saved. That's I'm dying is a life. You said to die is to live for me. That's right. So that's a great testimony. And Dr. Hayes, who he's, just, I never knew you were that sick. I never really knew that you were that ill, and you did everything you could to take care of yourself but we're all testimonies up here. Yes. Uh, we've given this this information. Yes. I believe if somebody would hear it, they will be helped. And yes. thank you, Dr. Hayes, for working with me, being patient with me, with my lack of technical abilities and cyber stuff. I just, I'm, I'm learning, though. But I think it was a very useful session and um anybody else want to share anything dr.
3: dr georgia can i say something before we get off of the line yeah um i, I want to put this out there in the atmosphere um there's after the uh brutal uh murder of george floyd uh-huh. there was a wave there was a wave of, of, of reform um, that was proposed across the country not only limited to police brutality but the it resulted in the acknowledgement of systemic racism. Okay, not that they're gonna do anything about it, but they just acknowledge. For the last two hundred years, we have systemically been racist against you in all spheres, in education, in food, but particularly in the uh, distribution of health care resources. Because there are racial disparities, there are systemic disparities in health in the distribution of allocation of resources of health care, whether it be race, whether it be gender, whether it be social, economic, what we say we will and will not do. The deck is stacked against us from the beginning, okay? So we can't afford to have a distrust in a, in the healthcare system when the healthcare system might be your only avenue of a continued life, okay? There are some people on this phone that that take medication, okay, all right? Some of you, your doctors have told you if you do not take the medication, you will not live. And I'm like, Doctor, I'm like Sister Janelle, I, I don't mind. I don't really want to go to heaven just yet, but I know where I'm going. <laughs> when I do die, I just don't want to do it right now. And so I take an exorbitant amount of prescribed medications just to live. And there's a lot of our people, or a great number of our people who do so, okay? And they do it even if the prices go up because we have to have that, okay? Now, I want us to pray on educating our people to make the best informed decision that they could make for themselves. The decision that Dr. Georgia makes might be different than the decision that I make. I'm okay with that. I just want Dr. Georgia to make an informed decision. I don't need a decision that's based on hearsay or based on things that you don't know to be true find out for yourself research what works best for you and then make the appropriate decision life or death hangs in the balance for our people and i just want us to understand how fragile it is for us medically even right now okay and we need to get our health together we need to take better we better, we need to take better care of ourselves we need to eat better. We need to exercise. We need to do a number of different things. But we also need to pay attention to what our medical experts and our medical doctors are telling us what to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I have a wonderful testimony in that in that of um, uh, uh, a little poor girl from the south who never saw the inside of a doctor's office or even a hospital till she was 19 years old and went in with a fever to the emergency room because we just didn't go to doctors. We had no money to go to doctors. That's right. God has blessed me immensely with good health care. Not only good health care, but good practitioners. Yes. Good specialists that I was, I was so moved when after the death of that person, my, my, my actual pulmonologist came out and just she was so upset, she said, I wish you wouldn't be in here, you shouldn't be in here, please stop coming in here. Well, that was a little over a year ago and I did back off and however it doesn't, it's, it only takes one time, but uh, this has been a wonderful and informative session. And if anybody else has any any other final remarks they wanna share, Dr. Hayes.
4: Yes, I wanna say um, again, thank you, Dr. Alexander for hosting this uh, webinar. Uh, I was just a facilitator to bring you guys in and I was listening to what you guys shared. I wanna say uh, uh, Pastor Dr. Carter, as you begin to speak, so passionate about the, the information you shared, the data, uh, the numbers and disparities, and you know, your first question was posed: was there fear in someone else's, and uh, uh, Dr. Gilmore's sister? And of course, she said she really can't speak for her, but I, her 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 sister that passed. But I want to say this: uh, as you mentioned, the the Tuskegee Air, uh, Air Airman experiment that went went out in years ago, uh, mm-hmm. th- that instilled fear in a lot of African Americans. We know that from historical mm-hmm. historical data. And that was a common reference used when we speak about getting immunized. You shared a good point. I served 21 years in the United States Air Force and I I had all kinds of immunizations and I didn't question it, I just did what I had to do. Uh, So, but the fact is though, but because of the conspiracies and the hopes, I think tonight we have witnesses that this was not a hoax. We, we we lived through it, we survived through it, and even had a loss through it. But I appreciate you, uh, Pastor Carter, when you made the point about uh, us being more aware and uh, debunking some of these myths. I think it's so important that you model the behavior, as you said, for your congregation. Uh, you asked a question, uh, Dr. Alexander, about what do you do if someone just don't want to take this, uh, uh, you know, uh, vaccination and i think as dr carter said you know you don't feel like it should be so necessarily mandatory but i think the choice needs to be made and that we need to make a conscious decision do we want to live or do we want to die and by making the the, the conscious decision i chose not out of fear that's right i respect the science and i and i respect god God made man on this earth the medical doctors I go to a medical doctor I see a medical doctor when I need to if I gotta have a, if I have a headache I'll take me an aspirin you know, that's right. but my point is we <laughs> trust in God yes and all that we do and there's a scripture that I have to use when persons would want to be in an argument about this situation mm-hmm. Romans 14 and 5 pastor was my go-to. One man esteemeth one day.
3: All uh, right, another
4: <laughs> another esteemeth every day alike. Mm-hmm. But let every man All be right. fully persuaded uh-huh. in his own mind. That's so right. I too modeled the behavior for my congregation. That's right. I, I wore the mask, washed That's my right. hands, That's I right. got the, both shots That's uh, right. and booster. And yet I was impacted, but the fact was, I didn't make it, I didn't make it, I I didn't speak lightly about it or against it, I just set the example. I did did what was necessary for me, my wife, my children, my grandchildren, and I concur with you, I believe we are in a better place because of the immunization that was taking place, as well as God who we serve. that's right. So we got to thank God and everything give thanks. So Dr. Mm-hmm. Georgia, thank you again thank you. Uh, for mm-hmm. this this great conversation because again, you know, as i heard Dr. Carter say, as African Americans, we have opportunities to get healthcare when we should get it and and and, and fail not to not take advantage we get it. But let me say this before I close out. I was invited to go to the Five Rivers Healthcare Center on West Third Street on today, And when I went to that facility, it is a facility that's in our community that provides uh, healthcare for Dayton public school students. Not only do they give healthcare, but they get eye exams, dental. Yes. Even uh behavior uh, care, health, health care for those maybe dealing with mental issues. Mental illness, that's right. Mental illness. So that that's is right. right in our back doors. And you know what, the numbers, Of people enrolling their children is down. Yes. But my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. When we get information, we ought to tell our brothers, our sisters, our neighbors. And not only is it for children, but even adults. That's right. Can go get some care. So, as you said today, Dr. Georgia, this is for the community to hear and share. And you brought it to us. And we thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Anybody else? I am so grateful, uh, Sister Janelle and Dr. Gilmore, you helped me with a burden that I've been carrying for a year. <laughs> and I'll never forget me calling Pastor Carter after he had talked to you, and he was, he, was, he was emotional too. He said, what can we do? She won't let us come out there. I mean, what can we do? So you have a loving pastor, a caring pastor, you have a loving congregation, you have a wonderful colleague in the ministry as associate ministry over at Zion Baptist Church. And thank you for your information. Thank you all because it's been very helpful. Anything else? Who want to lead us out? Just lead us out. Since you brought it in with a prayer, end us with a a short thing.
3: No, 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 no. Dr. Georgia, this is your thing. Will you close us out in prayer, please? Come on, somebody.
0: Gracious and loving God, we're so thankful. Even things that we take for granted, you bless us with it. I never thought about this opportunity, but God, you bless today. You've spoken today in the hearts of many of us. And the community through these your people uh, that served as panelists, God may we go forth from here, striving to do better every day, and may this information meet reach the hearts of the community. Thank you for Dr. Hayes. Thank you for Janelle. Thank you for Dr. Gilmore, and especially thank you for Dr. Carter, who struggled so hard to get on, but he's on, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you.
3: Amen. Thank you so much. Love you.
0: you Love right. you guys. Good night. Good night. night.